Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. All right. Well, thanks for coming back. Hope you enjoyed that time of worship. Uh, for those of you who are making all the comments during worship, I hope you were still able to worship. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, but uh, a couple things before we dig in. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device, you can open it to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, we're going to walk through and uh, just try to dig in and uncover a little bit on Acts 1. We'll start in verse 15. Um, as you're turning there and uh, or uh, pushing buttons to get there, let me, uh, let me share a couple things. First, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for giving. Uh, last week I asked um, for, for us as a church to come alongside of one of our missionaries, uh, Doug and Dee Valenzuela, who are serving in Naples, Italy. Um, if you've seen much of the news, Italy has been hard hit. And, uh, and the three churches that they have helped start there in Naples, their pastors um, don't have any source of income whatsoever. And so they don't have online giving. They don't have the kind of setup uh, to be able to do live streaming or to do other things. And so they're just really struggling. And so this was an opportunity for us, just like um, the church and Macedonia came alongside, as Paul said in Corinthians, um, you know, to be able to give in a time of need out of an abundance. Uh, you gave, and so we were we brought in um, over three thousand dollars that we sent to Doug and Dee uh, to help uh, those three pastors and their families uh, to be able to provide so that they so that they had something. And so thankful for that. Uh, if if you still want to give and you haven't given, you can do that on our website or you can mail in a, a gift as well. Uh, just thankful that the, the church, the body of Christ, can take care of one another uh, as Scripture tells us we should. So just a big shout out and a big thank you to each of you who gave and who have been praying. Also just want to take a moment. There are people behind the camera here uh, who make all this possible. And so I just want to thank Pastor David and Aaron Hesketh. Uh, for their commitment these last uh, several weeks. And then uh, Lene is here today. And so really appreciate it. I couldn't do it by myself. I mean, I maybe could try, but it would be an epic failure. And so I just get to sit and to be able to bring the message to you. And so uh, I'm really thankful for for those uh, those two men and for Lene coming in today. Um, I just wanted to give a quick challenge. If you are a child, and we'll define that as... 18 and below. Okay. So you want to be a child in this case. So if you are a child and you send me a picture of your notes, if you take notes today during this, uh, the, this, I, I'm calling it more of a Bible study today, this sermon, uh, as we walk through, uh, this section of acts, if you're a child 18 below and you write notes and you send me a copy, a picture of you holding your notes up. All right. With, with a picture of you, I will write back to you and I'll send you a little gift in the mail and, uh, and you'll enjoy that. And I promise. So, uh, so Take notes this morning if you're a child. I uh, want to give you a gift. Uh, for those of you who are 19 and above, um, your gift hopefully is in heaven. It's an eternal gift. And so, uh, but we're glad that you're here. Uh, one final thing, just a quick shout out. 
it is really, really cool. It's really um, humbling to think this morning that there are people all across um, the United States who are tuning in. And so I, I know I won't hit everybody, but I know the, the Jim and Nancy Swift out in Western um, Ohio are tuning in. Todd and Amy uh, Smith out in Arkansas are with us. Um, Drew Jaggers is with us from Texas. Uh, Zach Swift is tuning in from Oklahoma. And then uh, and then my good college buddy, uh, Doc, uh, is tuning in. He's down in Georgia. And so uh, thankful for each of you. Glad whether you're in northeastern Ohio or wherever you're tuning in this morning uh, that we can dig into the Word. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look into the book of Acts this morning. And uh, as we do, um, I've entitled this morning, uh, Filling the Positions. Filling the Positions. What I want to do is walk through, we'll read the passage together, um, and then we'll come back and, and kind of go verse by verse and try to unpack what's in there. And then uh, finally, we'll look at some application of how the Word um, applies to our life and how we can live that out. And so uh, if you would, uh, got your Bibles with me, I'll be reading from the, the ESV uh, version, the English Standard Version. You can follow along whatever version or the slides should be up there uh, as well. But we're going to start in verse 15, Acts 1, uh, verse 15. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. And he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, his, in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaladama. That is, flood, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp be desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. So one of the men who has accompanied us during all of this time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, uh, beginning from the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take place in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Um, would you pray with me, Lord? I pray that you would use your word to uh, enlighten us, help us to understand it, help us, Lord, in that understanding to see who you are and how we can live our lives for you this day and the weeks ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So titling this Filling the Positions, um, it's interesting that we see um, uh, a group of people um, that have gathered together. And, uh, and so verse 15 kind of starts, it says in those days, well, what's happening in those days is there's a group of people and we're going to give, 
get a little bit more insight in a minute. There's a group of people who have gathered, um, who are praying, who are worshiping um, God in the in the upper room. Just as Jesus had do- told the disciples uh, to stay in Jerusalem until the outpouring of the Spirit was going to come, they're there in the upper room. And so in these days, they're gathered in the upper room, uh, waiting, worshiping, and praying together, just like we see in verse 13. Uh, we see that something very significant takes place here. In those days, Peter, Peter stood up among the brothers. This is significant because of a couple different things. Uh, When we kind of look back, we see in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 16, verses 15 through 20, uh, where Jesus is having some uh, conversation with the disciples and he asked them, who are people saying that I am? And they answer him and, and, and then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds with this. He says that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so uh, in response to that, um, Jesus says, you, you have not come up with us on your own, but the father has revealed this to you, Peter. And you, Peter, uh, which means little rock, Peter, the term, the name Peter means little rock, uh, On you, you are Peter, the little rock, and on this rock, the big rock, I will build my church. And and so we see a reference here is Peter starts to take the lead uh, of that that coming to fulfillment where God's word is coming true. What Jesus had said, Peter, you're going to be the leader, uh, is, is happening and moving forward. Um, we also see in Luke 22, 32, um, that, that as Jesus, before he goes, um, to be delivered to his, ultimately his death, um, he's, he's having conversations with the disciples, with the 12. And he says very clearly uh, in Luke 22, um, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, Peter. Um, but after you have turned away and he gives him a command here, he tells Peter what to do, then you need to strengthen your brethren. And so there's a foreshadowing of what hasn't happened at that point yet, where Peter is going to deny Jesus three times, right? And we know the great failure and the great disappointment in Peter as he walks through that time of here's the one who he was following. He even said, I will give my life. I won't let anything happen to you, Jesus. And yet he denies him. He denies him three times. And Jesus says, though, after, you're, after you have turned away, After you come back, then I want you to strengthen your brethren. And so we see here, uh, Luke's recorded for us exactly what what Peter is doing. And so um, we we see a fulfillment of Peter um, taking the steps to rise as the leader of the apostles, just as Jesus said that he was going to do. Now, the next part, we see a little... uh, um, parathetical note. So there's like parentheses probably in your text maybe. And so uh, with that, um, the writer, Luke, gives us a little bit of insight. And so um, Peter is here. He stands up amongst the brethren. And and Dr. Luke wants to give us a little bit more insight. And so he tells us that this isn't just the 11 apostles. There's 120, about 120 uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have gathered together. We know it's brothers and sisters because if you look back um, in verse 14, that Mary, 
the mother of Jesus and other women are there as well. So this isn't just secluded as a, a men's gathering or just the apostles. There's about 120 people. Now, some have, have wondered, oh, is this uh, some magic term or number? Um, uh, there has been uh, arguments about this uh, saying, okay, the Sanhedrin needed 120 people in order to uh, have a, a gathering. Uh, I, I would challenge that. I, I don't think there's anything um, significant in the number 120. It says about 120. I think it just tells us that there's a large group of people who have gathered together, who are praying, who are asking the Lord uh, for wisdom and guidance as they as they move ahead, and, and they're waiting on him. And so we see that. Um, this next verse, we see Peter taking uh, that step, and he begin, begins his speech. Uh, this speech is the first of 11 speeches that we'll see uh, throughout the book of Acts. And so um, uh, excited as we walk through this book that we'll get to see one speech after another and the significance of each one. This is the first of 11. And so uh, he starts this and he says in, in verse 16, brothers, or could be term, it's a term that could be said brothers and sisters. All right. Um, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Oh, uh, this is really cool because especially in our day and where we're at right now, God, um, what he has said is going to happen and we can take great comfort in that. And so Peter just lets them know. And in a, in a time where the, there's great uncertainty, uh, Jesus had just been killed, uh, of, uh, probably a, a week or so ago, and then uh, maybe two, and then he comes back, he appears, uh, it's been a few weeks, because he appears for for uh, for a period of time, 40 days, and then he is ascended. And so during this time, there's such uncertainty, because they're waiting for the promise of Jesus, uh, which would be the Holy Spirit, but they're, they're just sitting there. And so Peter reminds them, um, ultimately, that scripture had to be fulfilled. Scripture will be fulfilled. And so he's going to give them an example of what's going on and an action that they need to take as they've been studying and asking the Lord um, to reveal where they're at and what's going on. So uh, not only what God says will happen, but also we can take great hope that his word reveals truth and his will both now and in the future will take place. There is nothing that is going to stop God's will. No matter who you are, no matter uh, what happens in your life, you can't stop God's will. His will is perfect, and it's awesome, and we can trust him. And so we continue. Uh, it says, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Again, the, the, the spirit of God spoke that God, God, Peter is making a clear reference. This isn't just something that man made up. God spoke, the creator spoke. And so we need to listen. And it says beforehand, this was a past uh, uh, speaking that has present 
um, effects. So even though this was something that David, who that time, again, remember who, who David was and, and the fact that he was looked upon as the greatest uh, king, the greatest um, uh, authority, the greatest ruler of all time uh, for the Jews especially, that here was King David who the Spirit of God spoke through. It was like the words of God coming out of David. And, and um, here's, a, again, a reminder that God uses human agents to speak and to communicate his will. And, and then it's, he says concerning Judas. Now, this speech is going to be centered around what uh, one person and fulfilling uh, that position. But notice, uh, I want to remind you, this morning I titled um, our, this sermon, uh, Filling the Positions not position, positions, because I believe that we see two things. Number one, Peter fulfilling his position as the leader of the 12, that upon this rock, that God, that Jesus Christ was going to build his church, that Jesus was the, the chief cornerstone, and that he was going to use Peter and the other apostles to spread the gospel message, that Peter had to rise to be the leader of the apostles. And the other position is Judas, because Judas and what has transpired in his life because of his, his actions and what he did, there's an opening of his position as well. And so it, when you look at Acts one thirteen, there's someone who's left out. And that listing, um, Judas is left out of the listing of the 12. Well, again, there, that gives us a, a foreshadowing of what's happening now as Dr. Luke is writing this. And so it says, um, con concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Peter very clearly um, lays out a term here as guide, that Judas was a guide. And uh, he became an agent um, who... who um, Satan, ultimately, he's going to talk about in reference towards um, that Satan used Judas um, as a guide to lead others to, dis to destroy, to try to destroy Jesus and ultimately lead Jesus to the cross to die. And so when we look back at Luke 22, uh, this is a reference here of Luke 22, verse 47 and verse 52 um, we see while he was still speaking, uh, there came a crowd and a man called Judas, one of the 12 was leading them that same term guiding them. Judas was the guide. He was the one leading them. Uh, Dr. Luke makes it clear for us here. Um, the religious leaders, who were they? Who was, who was Judas leading? He was leading the religious leaders. And we see that in verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temples, the temple and the elders who had come out against him. So here was Judas. He was the, quote, leader of, of the tribe or the group of people that was coming to get Jesus. And so Dr. Luke kind of, again, helps us to see if we look, here's Peter rising to lead um, the apostles. And here was Judas uh, leading uh, the religious leaders of that time in opposition of Jesus. We continue on. And we see verse 17, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Who is he talking about? Again, he's talking about Judas. And he's, he's laying out two different 
uh, roles that Judas played. Uh, first, that he was numbered among us. And so um, Peter is saying, listen, he was one of us. He was one of the 12. He was called just like we were. Um, he wasn't just, he didn't just sign up for this. He was called by Jesus to be a disciple. And so he was numbered among us. And number two, he was allotted his share in the ministry. Excuse me. So let me go back real quick. He was numbered among us. We, we know that J Judas is listed in every one that he is listed. Mark uh, 10, 2 through 4, uh, or Matthew 10, 2 through 4, Mark 3, 16 through 19, and Luke 6, 13 through 16, all list the, the, the disciples. And in that listing, um, Judas is always listed last. He's still in the list, but he's always listed last. We also see that Judas had a role as treasurer, so he kept the money and the finances. And so he was numbered amongst us, meaning he was called, he was given responsibility in that. Number two, he was allotted his share in the ministry. Um, what was that share? Well, Luke tells us earlier in his, uh, in his gospel account in Luke 9, 2, uh, that that was to proclaim the kingdom of God and to to heal the disciples all 12 of them Jesus spoke to them and said your job is to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people and then Luke 22 uh, later on verses 29 through 30 um, that Jesus is saying before he goes to the cross that he assigns to each of the 12 um, a kingdom and that they are going to sit on the throne, uh, the throne judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so there's a future ministry um, that has not yet happened that is responsible, that the, the 12 disciples or apostles are responsible for as well. And then we see in Acts 6 4 about the ministry that Dr. Luke uses the same term, uh, the ministry of the word. The apostles are called to the ministry of the word, to preach Jesus, to preach Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior, um, that, that they were called, just as in Acts 1-8, Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses around the globe, starting in Jerusalem, going to Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. So we see here that Dr. Luke is helping us to see that there are two uh, roles of the apostles, and that's critical when we come to what he's going to write about later. But he helps us to see what Judas, um, what his calling was, and how he neglected it. We come to a section now where uh, there's another parenthesis here, and so in that, um, it's almost like Peter speaking, but we're going to take a time out. And in, in the movie, uh, we're going we're gonna to see behind the scenes for a moment. And so, um, so Dr. Luke helps give us a little bit more insight into what took place with Judas. And so a little bit of this is graphic. And so um, it's just interesting. Uh, it says, now this man, again, Judas, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open into the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaladam, Dama, Akaladama. That is field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms. So we're going to stop there, but in verse 19, so we see here uh, in verses 18 and 19, this uh, parentheses, and ultimately we see that Judas proves to be dishonest. And, uh, and again, I 
if you go back to Luke 22, verse 3, and John 13, verse 2, that, that Judas is under the influence of Satan. Satan is trying to be sneaky and conniving to work his plan to destroy Jesus. And so Judas is under the influence of Satan. But in that, um, we see that, that Judas proves that he is dishonest. And so I want to take us back to, uh, to Matthew uh, chapter 27. And so if you want to flip there, you can. Matthew 27 verses 3 through 10. Um, some people will argue that that passage uh, conflicts with what we read here in, in, by Luke by what happened to Judas. Uh, but actually, they tie really neatly together, and so it helps give us a little bit more insight in, in what was the final outcome of Judas. And so uh, let me read that to you. Verses 3, Matthew 27, verse 3. It says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Well, in throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver said, is it not lawful? Um, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. So ultimately what we see happening to Judas is Judas has some remorse. Um, does he fully repent or is he just feeling bad for his, uh, here is Jesus who ultimately he sees is condemned. We don't know the heart of Jews, Judas. What we do know is Judas was such in dismay um, that he didn't keep his money. Um, and so in that, um, the, the money that was his, um, the religious leaders at the time, they didn't keep that. They didn't put it in the treasury because it was not deemed clean. So what they did is they, they bought a field that was unclean, uh, that was for strangers. And so uh, in doing that, whether it was uh, the religious leaders buying the field or as we see in Acts, Dr. Luke gives reference that this is Judas's money and he bought the field. Uh, essentially, that's what took place. And so Judas goes to hang himself on a tree, evidently that probably cracked or broke. And in the midst of that, he falls into this valley. And Dr. Luke gives us a very clear um, and kind of graphic description of what takes place. Um, just his intestines, everything just goes all over. And it is known, it is called uh, by all the people at the time. They they know that this is called the Valley of the Blood, and uh, and 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 so this becomes a place where now strangers are buried in it. Judas is is one of many who will be buried there. That gives us insight just to help us to see and and to know the final outcome of Judas, and that's critical and important because of what we're going to read in the next two verses, uh, especially the next verse of uh, of the the call to look back at the prophecy in the Psalms. And so let's do that. Uh, Psalm 69, 
when we see this, uh, verse 20 of Acts 1, it says, for it is written in the book of Psalms. And then he, Dr. Luke uses, um, or actually Peter uses reference as he's speaking to the group, uh, a reference back to Psalm 69, and he's going to talk about verse 25. Psalm 69 as a whole, though, is a psalm of protest and plea against the enemies of God. And so with that, um, there is an ending at the end of the psalm that there is trust in the Lord Yahweh, the one who is creator, the one who is all. He is sovereign over all. And so there's a, a cry out. There are evil men. There's evil that's happening to David. Uh, and, and there's a cry out to God um, to judge that. And so we see this verse, may his camp become desolate. And let there be no one to dwell in it. The camp could probably be referred for Judas as the land that was purchased. All right, this land wasn't going to be holy. It wasn't going to be something used for good. Um, it was the potters. Uh, it was ultimately probably land that was full of clay uh, that was used by potters um, for pottery. Um, but it was not useful for anything. You can't, you can't grow uh, gardens or vegetation on clay. You just can't do that. And so here is a field that was uh, not used for anything good. And, uh, and so we see ultimately Judas here is experiencing the judgment of God as one of his enemies in a reference here. Um, Psalm 109 um, is the next portion that Peter will use. It says, and let another take his office. Psalm 109 is a psalm of vindication and vengeance. Um, and it ends with uh, a promise of praise. So um, the days uh, are, to, are few and his life be cut short. Um, that his position of authority be given to somebody else. That was the call that, that the psalmist was asking and praying. Lord, make their days short and give their authority, give their position to somebody else. And so we see that's what happened with Judas. His days were cut short. And, uh, and his share in the ministry was ultimately to be given to someone else. And so his replacement was needed. And uh, uh, this, this is really neat when we see this, um, these two psalms used in verse 20. Uh, it, it's kind of, it's a, a, a term that's used, uh, light than heavy. Kind of like, okay, um, you're an enemy of God in the first one, but let's be a little bit more specific. You, you are um, a, a true enemy who has deceived in the second Psalm 109. Uh, generally, uh, there's a wrongdoing in, in the first Psalm. Psalm 69, there's a general, the wrongdoers, but Psalm 109 gets very specific and it applies this wrongdoing to an individual. And we see that in Judas as well. Verse 21. So one of the men who have accompanied us uh, during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day uh, when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Uh, verse 21 kind of starts with the word so, or in some translations, it is a term used therefore. So it, it's, it is a reference to look back. I, I've said this often. Uh, if you see the word therefore, you need to ask the question, what is it? 
there for. It's like a hinge of a door on one side. Uh, something has taken place, and so you need to open it so that you can see why it is there. You need to look on both sides of the door. Um, ultimately, what we see here is Peter is saying, therefore, or so, because of this, there's a necessity to do what the scriptures have stated. Since this has happened, since Judas betrayed um, and left his post, we need to find a replacement. And so there's two requirements that he's going to lay out, that Peter has laid out here in verse 21. The first, it is a man. Um, and he says, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Um, this is not to say that women aren't as good or men are better than women. That's not the purpose. As we read throughout scripture, God's call and the way that he has designed mankind is for men to lead. And so let me challenge us. As men, we have an opportunity in these days, especially in our homes, when we're more confined to lead the way God wants us to lead. In this, uh, one of the requirements was that it was to be a man, a man to be led uh, by God, and that that man, number two, was to be an eyewitness of all that took place in the life of Jesus, starting from the time when he was baptized and going to when he ascended into heaven. So witnessing, being able to see all of that. And so um, uh, verse 22 says, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Notice that term, a witness. It's referenced back to what Luke had written earlier and what Jesus had said about Jesus's call to the 12. I, I want you, you will be a witness for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so this one is called to be a witness with them. Um, and that witness was not only of Jesus's teaching, but also his resurrection. It's a call to the witness of Jesus as the Savior and as the Messiah. Um, ultimately, we see that two men are brought forward. And so verse 23 says, and they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. Um, we see these two men, Joseph, um, and again, having uh, a, a very familiar name. There are probably a lot of Josephs. And so there's, uh, he has a couple nicknames. And so we see side of that. Uh, the first is Barsabbas or called son of the Sabbath, uh, or justice. The second was Matthias and his, his name means gift of Yahweh. We see these two men have been, have been chosen by about 120 people brought to the top and said, these are our two men that we need to choose from one of these. It is interesting to see that, that uh, again, how scripture works fully together, that the brothers of Jesus, um, they didn't get nominated. And that's because back in John 7, verse 5, it says that the brothers of Jesus didn't believe at that point. Now, they trusted later, but that that they weren't listed uh, because they didn't have the credentials. They weren't following Jesus and accompanying him from place to place to see and to be an eyewitness of all uh, the witnesses. So here we see uh, a group coming together, appointing two and saying, okay, here's two men that we will vote on and that, that we will ask God which one who will fill this 
the require who fulfill the requirements and who can be the replacement. And so um, when we look at this, uh, not only do we see it from the group of about 120 who nominated them, but stop and put yourself in these two men's uh, shoes for a minute. Think about the kind of courage that these men needed to have um, in order to take that position. Because here, just a few weeks ago, um, was was Jesus, the one who they had followed, who who had to die. The religious leaders of the time are hostile towards anything that has to do with Jesus. And so these two men in being nominated and saying, yes, I, I will allow my name to be one of the two uh, are displaying a great amount of courage and saying, yes, I will be willing um, if called to be this replacement, to be one of the 12 and the great responsibility of being a witness um, in Jerusalem uh, and Judea, Samaria, and throughout the world. We see what, again, a reference back to verse uh, 14 too. Uh, there is ongoing prayer that's taking place. And so this is not a decision that they are doing on their own, led by their own wisdom, their own uh, knowledge or understanding. This is uh, a time where their uh, ongoing prayers are leading them to make a decision led by the Spirit. And uh, we'll come back to that as that applies to our life in just a minute. And so um, in verse 24, and they prayed and said, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And so here's these two men. Lord, we're asking you, uh, who do you want? Who do you want to take this position? Because Judas has abandoned us and he has taken his place somewhere else. And there's a place, there's an opening here. So they're begging God and asking for his help. And in verse 26, and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Um, I think sometimes in, in our conservative um, backgrounds, we, we get a little antsy when we start looking at this casting of lots. What's interesting, when you look a little bit deeper here, as Luke writes this term, casting lots, he doesn't use the normal term used in the Greek for casting lots, like rolling dice. It's almost uh, like he is saying here, they, they gave an account or they gave um, uh, a, a vote. So it's almost like there was a, a a group, the, the group asked for the Lord to guide them and to direct them. And as their vote was going forward, God revealed that and showed that. Whether it was dice being thrown or a vote that took place, one thing is extremely clear. We cannot miss it. God was the one who was moving and in charge. Again, no one will stop God's will. Take great hope in that today. All that's going on in our world, God has a plan. Nobody will stop what he wants accomplished. And uh, so ultimately, uh, who is chosen? Matthias is chosen. And that choice was left to God. God made that choice. And so as we look at that, um, that takes the pressure off of us too. That should take the pressure off of us. So how does all this uh, apply to us? Uh, three things for us this morning. First, God has a plan. 
We see very clearly God has a plan. He's got a plan for the, the, the apostles and for those who are following him uh, after his ascension. God has a plan for us. And ultimately that plan, as we read later, Paul puts it in, in Romans 8.28. God has a plan for our good. That his plan for us is for our own good. Even in times of struggle and hardship, that that plan and his desire is to grow us and to stretch us and to help us to depend on him more, not ourselves, not to depend on others, not to depend on this world and what this world has. Ultimately, it's to call to him and trust him. And that, that may mean, and that probably will mean, times of hardship and times of struggle, times of, of that could be filled with great sorrow, but it always leads to one thing, peace. God gives us peace, peace that we can't find in anything else. And so in God's great big plan, his plan is to call us to himself so that we may experience his love and his peace. There is a contrast here. Here's Judas. Um, here's Judas who failed, but yet in the midst, you see it had to be fulfilled. God had a plan. Even though Judas, what he did was wrong and evil, God used it for good. Ultimately, that Jesus would die, but that Jesus would show that he's the Messiah, that he would raise again three days later. We also see there's a reference again back to Peter. Peter was a failure, and now God has restored him, and Peter is rising to the occasion after three times denying Jesus as his Lord and as a follower of his. He comes back and is on the scene, and God is using him in his plan to do extraordinary and great things. So God has a plan. Take peace. Take hope in that. Number two, we see that, that there is a process about decision-making. And we can learn from what we see here, um, that there are a group of people who are seeking God, who are in his word. We know that because Peter's using the word. He says the scriptures spoken by the Holy Spirit that David spoke, he's in the scriptures, he's reading it, he's studying it, he's praying, um, led by the spirit. That's what we need to do every day. Um, because if not, we will, we will travel farther and farther uh, by ourselves. We need to, to search the scriptures. We need to, to walk closer to the Lord. And we need to trust him. And, and, and we can do that in our decision making as we pray, as we spend time with him and spend time in his word. We can trust that we can be led by the spirit. The third is this, um, that we each have a unique role. You and I each have a unique role, and we're not called to be somebody else. We're called to fulfill the role that God has um, purposed for each one of us to play. And so in that, God has a plan for you, and he has a plan for me, and he has a plan for our lives. And it centers around one thing. It centers around his kingdom. Um, I want it to center around my kingdom, but God wants it to center around his kingdom. And I'm humbled when my kingdom comes crashing down, when my plans and my thoughts, when the things that I want don't happen. I get frustrated. I get upset. But God, in his grace and mercy, continually calls us back and says, Aaron, I have a plan. And, and, and my plan for you is centered around my kingdom, not around your world, not around your kingdom, but my kingdom. And ultimately, that is the purpose to be able to give witness that Jesus is real. Just as the apostles were given unique roles to give witness of who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah and the Savior, 
we are called that same way. We are called in our unique ways um, to live that out, to display that, to give witness that Jesus is the Messiah and he is the Savior and he gives hope. And so I, I pray and hope that this was encouragement to you um, in these days. It's been such an encouragement. It's been refreshing to me this week. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like I go up and down. Um, one day I'm okay. The next day I'm like frustrated. And, and again, that's, that's the role of God's word and praying and just getting close to him every day and ultimately releasing myself of what I want and, and, and my own frustrations of just trusting him. And so I, I pray that you will trust the Lord uh, today. Uh, if you haven't trusted him as Savior, uh, he invites you to do that. He offers you forgiveness of your sin. He offers you a relationship with him, not only here and now in this world that we live, but a relationship with him forever in heaven. And that comes because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do or what we can do. The Bible is very clear. It's not because of our works, lest we should boast, but it's the work and the grace of Jesus that's already been done that we can ask God to forgive us through the blood of Jesus and to forgive us of our sin and come into our life and to be our God, that we can trust and be a part of his kingdom, an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that lasts forever. Uh, in closing, let me just encourage you, stay in the word, uh, stay connected with one another. Uh, again, we have a list that we put together uh, that um, just are some people who are a little bit more vulnerable at this time to to the COVID-19 that we're just asking people to pray for and even just to check in and touch base with. Uh, if you'd like that list, don't be afraid to email us at church church at westhillbaptist.com. And uh, again, thankful for this time uh, together. And I want to close this in prayer. Again, let me remind the kids 18 and below, uh, if you took notes this morning, uh, send a picture of yourself with them and, uh, and I'll send you out uh, a gift. You can send that uh, picture to PA uh, at westhillbaptist.com. Again, that's PA, the letter P, like pastor and Aaron, uh, at westhillbaptist.com. And, uh, and, and I'll take a look at those and I'll look forward to seeing that. Uh, would you pray with me as we close? Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, that you've spoken to us, that you've given us your word, and that we have the great opportunity to, uh, to dig into it and to unpack it and to see uh, what you have, the truths uh, of not only of what took place in the early church, the first century in, in, in the book of Acts, but also how it applies, those truths apply to our lives today. Just as we read, as David wrote about the cry of, of those who, who were deceiving and those who he wanted vengeance for in the book of Psalms, and yet some of that prophecy coming fulfillment through Judas, Lord, we we look forward to the fulfillment of your word. We know that your word is truth and that ultimately you are true and you will fulfill your word. Lord, you've told us and you've promised us that you'll be with us. And so, Lord, may we take great hope in that as we walk in the days ahead. Uh, in days where we're challenged and we're, 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 we're trying to go about each day in our own strength, humble us, Lord. And may your grace and mercy humbly bring us, Lord, to your throne. And may we come and, Lord, just acknowledge our wrong and trust you and, and to see that you are fit and that you are right to be trusted and to be followed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Help us to use our gifts and, and, and our talents according to your plan. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Lord bless you. Look forward to, uh, to talking. I'll send out some notes and some other things, um, just some communication uh, more throughout the week. But I pray that the Lord will bless you and your family uh, in the week ahead.